Welcome to another episode of The Court. This one has been a great one, actually, because I think all of us are the, the beginning of the journey of this one. We're talking about navigating cybersecurity within SaaS platforms um, and how do we secure it in the cloud and just navigating that minefield of what is coming. I haven't really ever considered or maybe I should have, maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but how all these SaaS platforms, although make our lives so much easier from an operational point of view, but actually allows our data to be accessed, whether that's from Salesforce or HubSpot or any of these great things that we use day to day, how that could actually create a big hole and allow our data to be actively available on the internet. I am delighted to have Brandon join us today. He comes from App Omni, which is one of our latest partners. So I'm not going to chat anymore. I'm going to let you delve into this episode because Brandon sums this up and how important this topic is in a really great episode. Welcome to another episode of the Core Podcast. I'm co-hosting with James Cunningham. Very unusual to have him in here. Hello, James. Um, And I'm very excited because today we are talking all things about securing the cloud and SaaS platforms with our new partner, Apomni. Um, So we have a guest in today. So Brandon, would you like to introduce yourself and a bit more about you and obviously your wonderful accent because (laughs) you are not from the UK. No, I'm not. Thank you very (laughs) much for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, Brandon Ramisher. Um, yeah, I'm the VP of EMEA and APJ uh, for App Omni. Uh, we're really excited to be here and partnering with the great team at Quarter Cloud. Um, I've been in the UK for the past eight years now. Oh, right? so you Doesn't... live in the UK? Yes. Oh, yeah. so you did, I, f- I imagined you flew in no. this morning. I was just thinking you don't look too jet lagged. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't. Actually, um, I got my British citizenship last year, though. Ah, so so officially right, yeah. a Brit. Um, but originally, that's a good thing or a bad thing at the moment. <laughs> but no comment. No congratulations. No comment. I'm from Philadelphia in the United States originally. Okay. Grew up on the East Coast. Lived in California for a while. Wow. Been all over the place. Uh, and what then, made you move here? Uh, I was working for another cybersecurity startup in San Francisco okay. called OpenDNS. Yeah. Back in uh, early, you know, 2010 to 2015ish. Um, and at the time we were expanding internationally and the, the CEO and the CRO asked me if I wanted to move over to London to help, help spearhead our international expansion. Mm. And, uh, I said, absolutely, let's do this. Right. So that was, you know, eight years ago at this point. Uh, I love it over here. The people are great. You know, culture's yeah. good. I love to travel and experience everything that Europe has to offer. And so, uh, yeah, it's been a great move. So you're still based in London now? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Based in London. Slowly, oh. slowly relocating to Spain. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Get a little bit of a nicer weather. Yeah, a bit warmer. Yeah, yeah. Like but um, but the teams, the teams based all over Europe and APJ, and um, you know, um, in today's market, you can sort of, you know, travel and do your Zoom calls and be where you need to be. And so, slowly relocating to Spain for the better weather, but in London all the time. Ah. Oh. Love that. And you've definitely learned to call football football now. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I know zero about strategy. I like <laughs> to go to matches and enjoy yeah, yeah. enjoy okay. the experience. But if you ask me what's going on, I'll know very little. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm I'm the same when I go with my husband. And no, that's great. The amount of banter that I have when I'm out in America yeah. with people that I work with and I'm outnumbered. You yes. know, it's it's yeah. <laughs> It's pain. So for all the US partners that I work with, <laughs> that gives me banter. Just said it. <laughs> I've um I've been to a number of matches here, and believe it or not, the team that I've been to the most is uh, QPR. Really? Yeah. Okay. I have a friend. When I moved over here, 
yeah. uh, at Cisco. He told me I had to be a QPR fan, so I've been to a few <laughs> matches there. Yeah. Can't beat the experience. Yeah. yeah. Proper football. Yeah. Yeah. Proper football. <laughs> okay, so zooming from football to SAS. So obviously I'm the least technical person in the room. So and anyone else that might be listening to the podcast, we have a mixed audience. Could you explain to them a definition of what a SaaS platform is? Yeah. So uh, a SaaS platform is a cloud delivered uh, application, right? That's yeah. delivered as a service. So historically, when you were you know utilizing software in, a, in an organization, you might you know get that application, you might install it locally and run it in your own IT infrastructure, and that came with all the overhead. Uh, that from an operational perspective that was required, right? You'd had mm -hmm. to constantly update it. You'd have to have resources to make sure that that server it was running on was secure. Um, and so, you know, operation was a bit more challenging, a bit more costly. Um, back in early 2000s, maybe even late 1990s, Salesforce came around. Yep. Remember their early uh, logo? It was a, it was a, a no software sign. So it was software in the cloud with a big X through it. Right. And so they were delivering, you know, CRM software yeah. as a cloud-based application, right? So sellers could just log in to their, you know, their browser and start mm -hmm. accessing all their information. Mm -hmm. um, and so effectively SaaS is, you know, has, has morphed over the years. It used to be very, you know, very simple and very specific, right? You log in, you do a couple things, uh, very easy to use. Um, is delivered in the cloud, delivered mm -hmm. through the internet, right? Mm -hmm. And then today what's happened over the past five, 10 years or so is you've seen this, this change from simple you know, sort of use cases and SaaS applications into these large scale platforms that are mm -hmm. infinitely complex and infinitely configurable. And so you have your, your HR cloud, Workday, SAP SuccessFactor, Sage People. You have your identity clouds and things like Okta, EntreID. You have your collaboration clouds, mm -hmm. Microsoft 365, Google Workspace, your CRM systems like Salesforce, you know, your IT service management systems like ServiceNow. So there's, there's different systems and platforms um, under the SaaS mantra, if you will, mm -hmm. that um, are just very large, very complex, and store incredibly sensitive data. Mm -hmm. um, and if you look at the teams that operationalize these systems, it's not like, you know, a large organization doesn't, doesn't just buy a SaaS system and turn it on in day one. While it's simpler to use um, and more efficient for a lot of reasons, what you'll find is a lot of these big systems still require very well-thought-out, designed implementation and go-live phases. And so you have large teams of MSPs, uh, administrators, developers, architects that spend, you know, quarters or years implementing these large systems for big uh, organizations. Mm. And then once that system goes live, you know, it doesn't stop there. You're constantly customizing it in order to meet the business requirements of the organization. Adding people to it. Adding I mean, people to yeah. it. You know, uh, changing, you know, changing the look, changing the feel, changing the experience, delivering outcomes to the business, making sure data is going into it and coming out in the right places. Um, and so, um, yeah, so SaaS has really grown into this. You know, we, we think about it today at App Omni, we think about it as the new business operating system. Hmm. Every line of business, whether you're in finance using NetSuite, sales using Salesforce. Marketing, HubSpot. Right, We've got yeah. loads of lovely AI things that... Yeah. Interesting when we started running it internally, um, Phil thought about everything from a technical and then started thinking operation. And I was like, oh, what about HubSpot? Started listing some of ours. And he was like, why would I put them on? And I was like, school our data on it. Mm -hmm. He was yeah. like, I hadn't even thought about your systems. Yeah. So it's like much more, all our uh, departments are becoming closer and closer. And we're all punching different holes in because yeah. there's loads of new AI 
SaaS platforms from finance to marketing can plug into your calendar and move it all around like and they're really easy to spin up absolutely and and generally not that expensive yeah i mean that's the concept of shadow it right it's that organizations will have their sanctioned apps and their unsanctioned apps and typically in a sanctioned environment maybe things that are sitting behind your idp like okta you may have 20 30 40 50 100 sanctioned SaaS applications that go through your traditional vendor reviews, mm. right? At some point, someone in the organization says, hey, we're going to buy this application from this vendor and we're going to do a diligence on that organization and this application to make sure that it fits our requirements. And that's, you know, that's, that's sanctioned SaaS. That's great. And then you have the whole concept of shadow IT, which is I'm a developer, I'm a salesperson, um, whoever, mm. and I like this application and I'm going to go log in, swipe a credit card and turn it on. And it's going to bypass that entire review process. And that's one of the risks that we see in SaaS of many. I just I see a massive change in businesses at the moment because we've been working with some of the largest banks and, you know, you're seeing so many retail shops, you know, physical locations getting shut down now and all that investment's going towards building into, well, retail-based applications, really, for consumers. It's interesting because, yeah, it's just widely used. You see lots of organisations we're working with quite a large development house and they you know got thousands of developers just literally building apps like every day so that app sec you know all the way through to live production leaves some gaps doesn't it yeah every company's um every company's a software company today yeah right like that's digital transformation at its finest yeah everyone has an army of developers um they're building applications in-house or they're buying them from B2B SaaS vendors, mm. right? The big players out there, the Oracles, the Microsofts, the Salesforces of the world. Mm. But whether you're building or buying or doing both, right? Typically, you're delivering them as SaaS today. Whether you're running those in your AWS VPC or whether you're running those as a third-party service like from Salesforce or insert mm. SaaS vendor here, typically those applications are delivered as, as SaaS to the end customer. So as we become more digitalized, how, what's the impact from a cybersecurity perspective? Because we're all trying to be more connected. Yep. We're trying to operate more smoothly. I know even internally, we're trying to make data work harder from us. What are we learning? How does it plug into HubSpot? How does it plug into SalesLoft? How does it plug into LinkedIn and SalesNav? So what what is that creating from a cyber it's, perspective? It's, it's, it's crazy, creating a different dynamic for security professionals and security teams to be aware of, um, right? It's It's... Uh, the applications are shifting in terms of how they're deployed, which means the attack surface is different, which means that the tooling that's required to secure it must shift and the mentality must shift as well, right? It's no longer about securing your network and your, and your again, your, your, your you know, data center where these applications are running. Of course, you still need to do that. A lot of mm. companies still have that. But as a lot of your applications shift to the cloud and that abstraction layer comes into place, right? SaaS is effectively incredibly abstracted you know, data centers, if you will, right? If you look at the shared responsibility model, the end user is only responsible for how they, you know, configure that system, the users they granted access to, and the data that lives within those applications and gets transferred. Everything underneath that stack, uh, from a technology perspective and even a physical security perspective, is owned by the vendor. So it's extremely abstract, right? And so the, the security dynamics that have shifted along with that mean that you have these you know, many different more applications running with different use cases owned by different teams, right? And so you have this lack of subject matter expertise, okay? 
right? And so you need to build, you know, either some automation to build that subject matter expertise to understand how to secure these systems, or you need someone partner or tooling to help you achieve that. You know, if you speak to a, you know, SOC analyst or an IT security person mm. and you ask them like, hey, how does Workday work, hmm. right? Or how does, you know, tell me the inner workings of GitHub, hmm. right? Odds are they have very little understanding of the inner workings of those applications and what yeah. they need to do to secure those. So, you know, the, the, the subject matter expertise dynamic is very real and that compounds when you don't have any security resources to begin with. So the problem that there's not a lot of security resources is further compounded because cause of the fact that these applications are so different and there's so many of them, mm. right? And then you have to think about not just how do I secure access to these systems, right? How do I stick something in front of that application to make sure that people are authenticating properly into it that say that they are? But there's also the concept of inside-out security, just like everything else. You need to understand the inner workings of the application. What system settings come natively within that application that you know are similar to hardening, authentication, encryption, AppSec-related controls. Um, Do you think we make a lot of assumptions of like when we buy a SaaS, like, or we buy, and I'm probably naive to this, like I buy HubSpot, plug it in, do that, and you kind of make some assumptions that, well, of course that wouldn't do that, or why would that be um, an automatic thing? Or I, mean, I know with Microsoft, there's a lot of things of configuration when people have gone, oh, no, you need to turn that on, which you would think would be on why wouldn't that be on um do you think we rely on these technologies to default do things and yeah. we're not educated enough on that that's one of the big challenges right is is the you know SaaS is magically secure is what i think a lot of people are left to believe they yeah. know that they need to do things to secure their vpcs and their infrastructures or service environments but when it comes to SaaS, either they don't know that the applications exist there or they think that for some reason it's very simple because mm -hmm. again it's so abstract away extracted away and so yeah i think that you know a absolutely it's um either out of sight out of mind or it's um, a lack of resources and understanding but you really have to allocate you know some time and find the right partners to make sure that you're hardening these applications that store some of your crown jewels as it relates to data um, just as you would anything else in your in your attack surface in your it stack it's your responsibility and if you're not taking steps to make sure that you're configuring and, and monitoring these systems correctly, we've seen it time and time again in the real world, odds are, you know, bad things can happen either due to user-introduced misconfigurations, mm -hmm. data out on the internet like an S3 bucket, or external attackers, you know, increasingly targeting SaaS platforms because they follow the data. Mm. Do you think because it's a new thing and in a new area to attack... Do you have to be that sophisticated at the moment to get in? Like, I, you know, firewalls have come in, so we, we've known where those gaps are. The SaaS state piece, like, we're, why we're having this podcast is educating people more about it. Do you think actually it's quite an easy way in at the moment because we're all a little bit it's, it's, blindsided it's, by it's, it? Yeah, there's a lot of people, you know, yeah, it's, it's not overly complicated. Right. If you want to get in. So yeah. what we found with our, you know, App Omni has an, is an, is an offensive security research team called AO Labs. And what we found across multiple large systems, and our research is public on this, um, is that it's, it, you know, it's very easy to misconfigure your SaaS systems, some of them, uh, especially the ones that have, you know, use cases where you're opening up portals to the internet for external type users. Mm -hmm. It could be a ticketing system. It could be a job application system. But as okay. you open up parts of that application to the external internet, it's incredibly easy to misconfigure that and actually expose significant amounts of sensitive private data along with that 
the stuff that you do want to expose. So we see time and time again that sometimes you're just shooting yourself in the foot, right? You know, so is it is it easy for external attackers to get in? Depends on how you're configuring the system. We've seen it not be all that challenging. You've got some of the Okta events okay. where it's social engineering in order to get to an admin account, compromise that admin account. And then, you know, once you have that admin account, you know, follow the kill chain, mm. you can escalate privilege. You can start moving from application to application as you would other systems. But what we see is the biggest risk today, in my opinion, is the aspect of, a, of, a, of an organization buying a big system, putting sensitive data in there, misconfiguring it to the point where that sensitive data is available for anyone on the internet without any authentication or login required. If they know what parts of the system to query, what tables to call, what APIs to call, it'll respond back with all sorts of sensitive information. And you've seen that? All the time. It's, it's published. It's public. Um, you know, Brian Krebs has written a lot of articles on this. Uh, Salesforce Community Cloud, it's very common. There's some public research out there. ServiceNow had some issues around it. We've seen in other systems. Um, you know, we see it in proof of concepts all the time. Have you seen any examples of where um, sensitive data, whether it's our patient data, has been stored on a SaaS technology that obviously yeah. the information could be found? So, so I mentioned um, the Brian Krebs article earlier. So Brian Krebs is a big investigative journalist, very well-known, fantastic uh, blog online. And the one that he wrote in April of 2023 was titled something along the lines of many public sales, many Salesforce sites are leaking public data. And on the cover of the article is a picture of a big healthcare system in the United States. And so the, the answer is absolutely yes. We've seen it personally, privately. We've seen it documented publicly. Uh, the types of data that are stored in these systems can be extremely, incredibly sensitive. It could be your source code in GitHub, right? It can be your HR data in Workday or Salesforce. It can be your entire attack surface information in ServiceNow from an IT asset management perspective. And so the short answer is yes. You know, from our experience doing POCs and some of these big systems, we can see sensitive data available on the internet in anywhere from 50 to 70% of assessments that we run, right? And we're talking about, we're not talking about mom and pop shops. We're talking about the global 2000, the largest companies out there in the world. You know, we see this time and time again. And again, it speaks to, it speaks to the complexity of these systems. These aren't just easy systems to use. Mm. There's a reason why some of the largest GSIs in the world have consulting businesses for a Salesforce or a Workday or a ServiceNow that have 10,000 consultants and they do a billion dollars a year in services revenue. Hmm. Yeah. It's not because these systems just work magically. It's because you need a team of professionals to try to get it right, and it's really hard. And with all that data out there, is there any regulations or things that are coming on? Is there anything that control? Like we obviously have seen regulations, things that come across, we see frameworks coming across for like Adora recently. Is there anything that's in this world yet? Or do you see it coming? Or We're seeing it increasingly come. And I don't want to, you know, I can't say that I'm um, a compliance expert, but, you know, things like the NCSC coming out with their, um, their prescriptive guidance, in my opinion, it's been the best guidance to date uh, on how to use SaaS securely. Mm -hmm. uh, that was released earlier this year. And it's a, it's a, it's a pretty well detailed document on things to think about when using SaaS securely. And I think their blog post on it is, it's not, um, it's not who you choose, it's, who you, it's how you use it, okay. right? You need to focus on how you use it and less on how you choose it. They're both important. But you're seeing uh, NIST 2, NIS 2. Mm -hmm. You're seeing DORA. Some of those focus in, you know, on financial services organizations. Some of those focus on 
connected applications and the SaaS ecosystem. Um, but you know, different different organizations uh, and, and regulatory bodies are starting to get more involved. I don't think it's there quite yet, but in the coming years, you're going to see a more and more of an emphasis on this as the authoritative bodies start to, in my opinion, wake up a bit and start to understand that this data is sitting out there in all these third-party systems, and it's increasingly hitting the wire in terms of bad press. Third-party risk is massive, yeah. isn't it? It's, yeah. And so we, we provide a service for third-party risk. Just listening, there is obviously really this data is sat within those third-party applications there's just so much risk associated to third parties right now and i think there's massive scrutiny within these organizations typically we're working with you know information governance governance risk and compliance teams on that piece of work but i can see how it crosses over certainly with the work that we're doing with you guys really here's where it gets um a little bit even crazier is you know you know everyone's aware of third party third third party risk and mm-hmm. there's toolings you know tool out there to to help and entire you know programs out there to you know as I talked about earlier how do you select that vendor and what governance reviews do you put them through and that's that's good right that's a sanctioned application that's gone through the process of being deployed in an organization fantastic mm-hmm. one is a lot of companies stop looking at it. After that, after, the after that process. Now we're back to the concept of third-party risk. In the SaaS ecosystems, there's the concept of fourth-party risk, right? And, you're, and further, surely, yeah. for sure, for sure. But you're using so let's say that um, you know again, let's say SAP Success Factors is your third party. SAP is your third party. Mm-hmm. Success Factors is your HR cloud that you're using. Or maybe we talk about something, you know, like, like again, go back to a Salesforce and you go to the Salesforce App Exchange. Mm-hmm. There's so many that you can plug in. Thousands of applications. Those are all fourth parties. I mean, developer if, applications. Even in ours, if you think we've got our HubSpots, our SalesLoft, our LinkedIn, all of them. And, and we're small, like, we're not a big. Mm-hmm. So I can't even imagine when you start. Yeah, like we haven't got thousands of people. No, like a footsie, yeah, what, like I just yeah. can't even imagine the configurations or things you're opening up or... You're not even reviewing anything, right? You're mm. effectively um, breaking off um, access to a, a fourth-party system developer and giving it a set of permissions and access to data. Most of the time, it's your end users mm. that are going to the app store and just saying, I'm going to plug this yeah. in. Right, no review, no nothing. We see about 250 unique fourth-party connected apps per large production environment when we do assessments. Most of them haven't been reviewed or understood. And if you think about the way that those connect, it's not the same as a user authenticating. In a SaaS system, you can, you know, you have, you have session intervals and lockout durations, right? And that's one of the controls that we monitor. It's hey, before. You know, we force this person to reauthenticate. How long do they have before they're forced to reauthenticate? And that's great. That's important. When you think about these fourth-party connected apps, they're effectively connected in perpetuity for the most part. That session doesn't expire, right? That access token stays there forever most of the time mm-hmm. until someone goes in and refreshes it or, or rips it out themselves. So you have this perpetual connection to a fourth-party system, and what we've seen in the wild multiple times, and we'll continue to see it more and more is attackers are targeting those large applications that are plugged in everywhere. We just saw it a couple months ago with ClickSense, the big BI tool that a lot of people use. Mm. Attackers compromise ClickSense, and by attacking the ClickSense infrastructure, they're able to then get their way into all of those connected environments that were in 
large organization systems. Mm-hmm. Same with, with MoveIt, right? The MoveIt yeah. compromise. We saw that connected. We saw on-prem servers of MoveIt connecting to production environments of SaaS systems like M365. We notified our customers when we saw that stuff. Right, it's going to be on-prem connected to SaaS systems, but point is these systems can be compromised. They're plugged into your big SaaS platforms, and if you're not monitoring that, it is an attack vector right into your production data. Hmm. Like all oh, the clicking on and all like just little holes and just make, yeah. breaking into your network. We've identified the challenges. I'm imagining if someone hasn't even started thinking about this, might be feeling a little bit overwhelmed. If you were about to open this can of worms or start looking into this in your own business and you're sat here listening what would you say were just some foundational best practices to do right away other than just obviously reaching out to you guys but if you were going in anywhere what would you first of all check tooling aside um build an inventory build a risk register Mm. understand your assets Right. Understand what you have, what's sanctions, what's not sanctioned. Right. Just like anything, anything else in your IT stack, it's important to know what you have, but not just know what you have. Go through the process of risk rating that from a complexity and a data sensitivity perspective. Not all SaaS systems are the same. You need to be able to understand where your most sensitive data is, where it's at most risk, and then focus your effort from a SaaS security posture management perspective on saying these are my most business critical applications storing my most sensitive data with the most complexity, I want to go lock these down first, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really about understanding what you have and addressing it. Now, part of that, and this is something I always tell customers, is go build a relationship with the owners of these SaaS systems. When we're talking to customers, and it's sort of the Wild West at the moment, sometimes security organizations know who's responsible for running these big systems, and other times they don't really have any relationship or know who the people are. And so... If you don't have cadence, a regular cadence, and that relationship and understand what they're doing and how they're doing it to some extent, how are you ever supposed to help them from a security perspective? These are, these are administrators of SaaS systems. They're not security mm-hmm. trained. Mm-hmm. They need guidance from security. And if you don't know who those people are and you don't have their relationship, how are you ever supposed to you know, properly secure that system? Mm-hmm. Developers don't typically like no. conversations with cyber people. Nope. From development all the way through from kind of pre-build like or, yeah, to live it's like <laughs> it's friction <laughs> it's all the relationships isn't it <laughs> yeah it, it's, it's a but lot it's, of they feel like it's restricting creativity right if they want to do something and it's going to work great and this and then someone comes in well, they're like, in oh, their bubble yeah yeah. You know, it's, yeah people are in their bubble and then when you're turning around and saying hey wait a minute you need to think that, about that's this. not secure it could be a road blocker yeah, if you like, but this could look really great or the app's going to do this and it means there's functionality and someone comes in and goes, well, yeah, but it's, I, I get it. It's creative, creative, user-friendly, yeah. making it the best app experience where someone's saying, yeah, that's great, but your data might leak. It's got to be a bit of a balance. Exactly, but then it becomes a game of sort of hot potato in terms of security responsibility, mm. right? Mm. It's, you know, something bad happens and then who's responsible, right? Well, the app team's aren't security trained. So they don't know that if they flip this switch in, in the system that maybe their application works better, but they're, you know, they're making their application less secure, right? And then the security team might not even know who the app owners are or how they're using the system. And so you know, there needs to be some levels of discussion and responsibility 
and sort of agreement from a business risk perspective on who's responsible for what. And, you know, in my opinion, you know, if we see that the security team is trying to get the SaaS owners to play ball and, you know, want to secure their system more, but they're not willing to for whatever reason, you know, application owners have a lot of power in a business, there should be some sort of business risk transition process where the application owners are then saying, yeah, we will be responsible if something else happens. Security did approach us. The business didn't want to, you know, do it for X, Y, and Z reasons. We're going to accept the risk if something happens, right? So there needs to be almost that agreement around business risk ex- ex- as well. It's buying for every for everyone, app. isn't it? Everyone should be buying into it. Everyone should they should. They should, yeah. but we know that's not the case. We know that, mm. it, they, you know, selfishly speaking, I wish that everyone did, right? Yeah. Make my life a lot easier. But, um, but we know that's not the case and there's limited resources. And so, you know, it just comes down to if your business is going to invest heavily in an application, a system, a, a, you know, a network, a new office, you're, you need to have security protocols around it, whether you're a small business or a big business. Um, and it's really just about understanding what's happening in your organization. And do you think training, like cyber training, education, can help with that or do you think this is like a bigger piece and it has to come down to like encryption and how we authenticate or is it a mixture or there's no magic i think it's a mix i think it's all the above right i think a a sound security program incorporates all of that there's going to be the human element right but even with all the training in the world if something is you know i always say that this is not a human solvable problem Right. If a system has thousands of settings and really insane role-based access controls and data access models, it's inevitable that you're going to slip up. Mm. It's inevitable someone's going to plug in these other mm. applications, right? So um, you need to have a mix of both. People should be trained, um, but security needs to take leadership and sort of help these non-security professionals better control their systems. And and that's why App, App Omni does you know does what it does, right? We deliver automation across a wide range of systems to help organizations standardize on a security layer for SaaS, right? You don't need to be an expert in each of these different systems. Uh, it's, it's not feasible. It's not possible. You need a program and you need a sound tooling like ours together to help deliver automation and expertise that you wouldn't be able to otherwise get. It's just not possible. So you need a bit of everything. You mentioned some key like move it, obviously being a SaaS breach. Is there any other famous or breaches that maybe not everyone's aware that that came through a SaaS platform? Yeah, I mean, some of the most notable ones is, you know, Okta's a great company. They've had a a couple, you know, they've been in the news a few times over the past year, Mm -hmm. right? That's been a a really big one in a number of different events where, you know, again, you know, um, support agencies or MSPs using the solution have been have been compromised through social engineering. You've seen a lot from what I call fourth-party risk or supply chain in SaaS. You've seen CircleCI, um, ClickSense, um, you know, a bunch of these sort of developer tools being being targeted because, again, they're sort of an easy way into a lot of different environments. Um, as I mentioned before, Salesforce and ServiceNow have been in the news. Yeah. Um, you know, for, for every every one or two that you hear publicly mentioned, there's many more that are not made public. Whenever mm-hmm. you read these press releases and it typically says, hey, they won't name names, they'll say a third-party system was compromised. Yeah. Most of the time, that's a SaaS system. Maybe not every time, but yeah. a lot of the yeah. time, if they're calling it a third-party system, they don't want to name the vendor for confidentiality reasons. 
usually it's a SaaS compromise mm. of some type. And do you have the positive end of the story? So obviously you're, we can't like necessarily name things that your customers, but have you seen things that Apomni have come in and been able to support or stop that from escalating? 100%. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we've been able to help customers, very large customers in very sensitive environments, uh, you know, identify very, you know, sensitive, wide-ranging data exposures. Uh, you know, identify that and then not just identify, but understand if that data has been targeted or exfiltrated. Um, you know, so we've helped a lot of customers do that. We've helped customers achieve stronger security posture in general. Mm. Um, but in, in parallel to doing that, we've helped a lot of application teams deploy faster and become more efficient. So there's a lot of talk in the world around DevSecOps. Yeah. Yeah. And some of these big systems, uh, CICD tools are used to deploy right in a large salesforce environment you'll have dev environments you'll have staging environments uat environments you'll promote in a pipeline an automated pipeline and so once we start talking to the application owners they can see that we can actually embed across some of these different pipelines and help them automate security scans as they promote and in doing so we're helping them move faster so it's not you know a lot of it is helping customers achieve greater security posture um, identify data exposures and better monitor their systems for external attacks. But on the flip side, we're also helping application teams move faster and deploy more securely. We've seen it first time with customers that we've supplied up Omni with real massive value quite yeah. quickly. I think it's so important because there's only so many tools you can really supply to organizations. Um, because there's massive alert fatigue, I think, at the moment. We, we're we so focused on technology that's going to bring great value without too much resource dependency. Yeah. Um, and I see that massively with Hapomni, seen it massively from customers already, successful deployments. Um, I'm amazed by some of the conversations that we're already having with some of the largest businesses in the world um, around this particular topic. Because it's just not, it's not really being thought about right now, you know. It's quite, it's very, it's big open space that's been nicely. Yeah. Very large CISO uh, told us that uh, App Omni is like turning on a light in a room that I've never looked in before. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can see right. that. It's a little bit scary. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> mad, isn't it? Right, but that's it's it. It's a great ad, though. It is. You know, mm. it oh, is. You Note that it. down, John. <laughs> you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> it is, though, isn't it? It's great. Be all over. Everything. Like LinkedIn. We with Malite. Um, Twitter. Twitter. X. 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 Is that what it's called? <laughs> I think it's X now. Yeah. Yeah. Shows yeah. how much I know. He's on trend. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I've just gone viral. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to go viral. I've just I, can, viral. I can ride your coattails. Right now. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Joss it always is sat there just chuckling away. Yeah. There's just a, <laughs> just a few little, little pointers. Some what? real value add that I add into these podcasts. He's just thinking, what can I slice and dice and turn into content? What are these guys talking about? <laughs> I know. He's so educated though. He's been on this podcast for like, was it two years now? I think you're just as technically sound as I am now. I think Joss might also go viral. 
after this. Yeah, just just, just <laughs> in the corner, just in the corner's gone viral. We're going to have to do. We are going to have to interview you one day. I do, I don't you're do, the weird I, man I, in the corner that I, no one knows I, who is. I really don't do these a lot, and I think I often get to a stage where I uh, like to wind them up a little. <laughs> Well, last time you came on, I said you were cancelling the podcast just for all our delight. So ah, this that was the, the last, last podcast. That was the last podcast, the last one he did, saying he was cancelling it. So, so is, this, is this the first one since it was cancelled? Yeah, it's been... No, yeah. I've still got it, kept going. <laughs> it's just not aware. Um, he, it was because we were giving him the stats of how many business podcasts normally die within the first 18 months and we were coming out to our two-year anniversary oh, and he congrats. was like well we might as well cancel it now then and i was like no that's that's not what i was saying um but <laughs> yeah still in the budget line still in the budget line i see it is. probably a different name <laughs> well yeah. i'm happy to, i'm happy to come back i could yes i could be a supporting character yes well, i'd love that you can be another co-host of me. Oh, i, I learned so much like this is really good for me it's like market research right. constantly and it but it's coming direct from from the vendors, from the customers, from other people in walks in life. Yeah, I learned the most most from doing this. So is there anything else for anyone else listening? First of all, that we've talked about a pomony, but if someone wanted to look, obviously we can reach out directly to our website. We do have a landing page under our technologies and you can speak to any of our, our technical team or sales. But if anyone wanted to have a look at you guys directly, where would they go and where's the best thing to check things out? Come come to your friends at Quarter Cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously check out our website. We have some some great technical research and some great blog posts. This is a new market, a new space. And so we do a lot of work trying to educate people uh, to understanding what SaaS security posture management is and what it's not yeah. as well. Um, and so, you know, check out our content. We have some great stuff. Come to your friends at Quarter Cloud. And just for everyone out there, right, just to summarize, the entire concept of App Omni and SSPM is that you have – you have business critical assets that are delivered as SaaS applications that store and transfer highly sensitive data. Um, by all measures, you must monitor these systems continuously because they store this data and they're constantly changing, they're state shifting, right? And so App Omni automates that process across large, diverse environments, giving security teams the visibility and the governance that they need to ensure they stay hardened and secure, and giving applica- application teams the ability to move faster more confidently, more securely. Nicely put. And a good conclusion to the podcast. James, do you have anything to add? Just excited about the partnership, the growth, the focus. You know, great support. It's coming. And I think, you know, I'm really confident in terms of the technology, you know, the conversations Mm -hmm. I've had with the CISOs that quite well connected with and, you know, the, the general kind of customer feedback as you know, obviously we do kind of a bake-off internally and, you know, with our tech team in terms of validating the solution. But, you know, being able to speak to these CISOs, talk them through, you know, this is the current challenge and landscape and this is what we're looking to do. I've had nothing but positive responses. So uh, in, 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 in the area of, you know, basically I agree with what you're saying. This is an area of focus. It's an inevitable problem that everyone's going to need to solve for sooner mm-hmm. or later. If you look at the trajectory of, um, you know, SaaS workloads versus traditional application workloads, mm. you know, it's moving to the cloud. It's moving to B2B SaaS. Everyone out there is using these systems increasingly. You know, you, you can't ignore them. Mm-hmm. You need to make sure that you're treating them as you would any other part of your attack surface. Perfect. And yeah, 
No? Good conclusion. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. This was great. It was great. It was great. I felt very educated. Lots to learn. Going viral. Going viral. This is us. This is us. We'll be be back. Famous. Well, that was fun. And it was nice that James was able to join us. Who knows? He might actually come on to a few more episodes. I think he actually really likes the podcast. He's just in denial. So thank you, James, for bringing along and your insights of this, because I know you're really, really excited about this topic. If you would like more information, please head to our website. Um, Always there is always episodes coming your way so please do let us know if there's anything else you want to uh, listen to feedback is always such great for us because it makes sure that we are putting the right content out there for you and future topics are being covered um in this podcast episode i really hoped to demystify the complexity of cybersecurity in the context of software as a service um i really hope brandon provided some value for you some insights some practical tips and i hope we used enough real world examples to really highlight the importance of this and how navigating and the evolving digital landscape and using these apps platforms and keeping them secure can be a little bit of a minefield so i do hope this is been a bit of food for four maybe it's something that you're already considering um, or if there's something else that you would like more information on how we can help you with this I really hope this has been a starting point to your journey of making sure that you can secure all your SaaS platforms once again thank you so much for joining us on the core podcast I hope you will tune in soon for the next episode and do connect and if you think you have a story or a topic or something that you would like to share please reach out to us we have the core podcast landing page where you can submit all your details there take care have a good one and I'll speak to you soon